Now back to Sports 56 Mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by Acura of Memphis. Okay, you know, this car looks great wrapped around you, you know. Here once again, Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. Welcome back, everyone. 9.06 the time. Hour 3 here on Sports 56 Mornings. Greg Gaston, Eli Savoy, Zach Boyd with you. Family Leisure Studios. We can't thank Family Leisure enough for being the sponsor of our studio. You can visit them at 2120 Whitten Road, just north of I-40. If you missed our interview with Laird Veach, University of Memphis Vice, Pres- or Vice President of Intercollegiate Athletics, it was a, a good interview, and um, you can check it out at your leisure by going to sportsmemphis.com. That's our website. We'll have it up there on featured audio for you. We'll post it, but also you can listen to the podcast of each show. We break them down hourly, so obviously it was in hour number two to hear Laird Beach. Coming up a little bit later on in this hour, Parth Upajai will join us to talk some University of Memphis athletics. But right now, it's time to talk some Rhodes athletics. It's time to go inside Rhodes College Athletics on Sports 56 Mornings. Every week, a representative from Rhodes will join Greg and Eli to talk about all things Lynx. Let's go inside Rhodes Athletics now on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. It is a pleasure once again to be joined in studio by the head coach of the Rhodes men's basketball team. That's Zoe Goodson. You can follow him on Twitter at Zoe Goodson. Hope you had a uh, happy Thanksgiving. It was a great Thanksgiving. My wife, Kelly, and I, we we didn't do much at all Thursday. We just hung out at the house, made our own little uh, Thanksgiving meal, which was non-traditional, and did our own thing. It was awesome. How about you all? I was in Philadelphia with the football oh. team, so we had dinner at the hotel. You were back from Philly and back home, right? Yeah, got to see the family for the first time in quite some time on Thanksgiving. So it was good. It was very good. I know how good. busy it is for especially basketball and football coaches during the Thanksgiving holiday. And as you were eating whatever you ate on Thursday night, I guarantee you, you were sitting there going, oh, all right, we got Webster, and then we got Washington University coming in on Sunday. And you met both those teams, and uh, it came out pretty well. You On Saturday, you beat Webster 91-67, so you laid it on them. Then you went up against one of the top teams in the country in Division Three, and Wash U. Took them down to the wire, fell 78-74. Yeah, it was a good weekend. Uh, really proud of the guys and their effort. You know, we're... I was telling you guys before we went on air, just where we were three weeks ago to where we are today, the strides that we're taking, uh, it's unbelievable. So really excited about where we're going in the direction. Saturday was fun. Um, it was good to see everybody get a chance to play uh, in, in that game. But, you know, Phil Dotson just had an incredible weekend at 31 on Saturday. Comes out, gets face guarded the entire you know, 35 minutes. He's on the floor on Sunday. Still finds a way to get 25 and 5. Just you know, guys stepping up all weekend was was great to see. And like I said, just the direction we're going and, and how much better we're getting every day is, is really great to see. You were talking about Dotson's numbers before we went on, what he's doing in, in within the conference, leading the conference in scoring with third in assists. I mean, he's putting up some incredible numbers so far. Yeah, he really is. He's You don't really see a, a scoring point guard that it can put up the numbers by putting up 25 a game and put up the assist, right? It's usually one or the other, mm-hmm. right? You're either a distributor or a really good scorer. So for him to be second in assist to turnover, you know, he's, he's out here in assist to turnover, second in the league, but he's four and a half assists a game. He, you know, he played 35 minutes, and I would say of those 35, he controlled the ball 
90% of the time for our hmm. offense. And he only had one turnover against the top 10, top 15 opponent in the country. So it just tells you how how poised he really is as a sophomore. He's composed the entire game, never gets frustrated, just really, really takes his time and lets the game come to him. Name the Southern Athletic Association Player of the Week, Phil Dotson, after the week he had. But you're right about a guy who has the ball in his hands the majority of the game to limit the turnovers the way he has, that's essential because that point guard is that quarterback out there. And if he's fumbling and stumbling and turning it over a half dozen times, you're in trouble. And you know what? Two weeks ago, maybe about three and a half weeks ago, we were having an issue with that, right? And so we we adjusted our practice plans and we really put a, a focus on value in the basketball as a whole. And now we lead the lead the league in, in turnover margin because we're averaging the fewest turnovers and forcing the most amount of turnovers. So it's something we focus on, something I've always focused on as a head coach is to keep it under 12 turnovers a game. You know, that's kind of where the, the analytics show if you can keep it under 12, 12 turnovers a game, you give yourself a chance every single game. You also on Saturday had a freshman in the first half of that game step up a 20-point half for a freshman. 20-point half and just absolutely uh, dominated the half. He came in right away. So as soon as he comes in the game, takes a shot, misses it, very next possession, takes a shot, nothing but net. So he's a guy that just he doesn't he doesn't let a missed shot or something that, that, that didn't go right in the game. It doesn't bother him. He's a next play mentality young man. Trevor Lombard from Houston, Texas, just does a really, really good job. Again, I use the, the word poised with with Phil, but for a freshman I can assure you there's not another player in the country as a freshman that is as composed as he is the entire time he's on the floor. With all the injuries that you've had to start the season, I would imagine as the coach that you've talked to these young young players and said, hey, your time may be coming quicker or sooner than expected, so be ready. Like right now. <laughs> right? I mean, that was the conversation. You know, as soon as the guys started going down, and we knew coming in with one guy, uh, with a, a surgery over the summer, but just straight up told him, like, look, your opportunities are going to come immediately. So you got to take advantage of that. Like, I'm, I don't determine playing time, you do, and, and with what you do and how hard you work. And Trevor's a guy that he saw it right away. Sean Jones, another guy that saw it right away. Those two guys, they got in the gym immediately. I mean, they put in a ton of extra work all preseason, been putting in extra work throughout the season, and, and it's showing. It's starting to show every game for them now, and it's showing in practice. When you're when you were recruiting those guys, like, did you think like these are guys who can step in right away and play right away? You know, the the cliche thing to say is, of course, you know, we, <laughs> yeah. I recruited them, we recruited them for that reason, right? But you know, with freshmen, you never know, right? And so. You know what their potential is, and you know that you got We're going to take a lot of time to develop them. Um, do we ever expect? You you can't go into any season expecting a freshman to give you these type of numbers mm-hmm. that they're giving you because you can't rely on that because there is an adjustment period. Now you do by the time you get to the midway point of the season expect that right, mm-hmm. but early on there's such an adjustment that goes on. So for them to adjust as quick as they did, absolutely not. We, we're really proud of how. Again, I can't keep saying it. I know you guys are sick of me saying it, but composed they really are. Well. As you just talked about with the recruiting, everybody knows with coaching, it's not just X's and O's and diagramming plays, it's recruiting. And I would imagine with Division Three, it's got to be hard to be able to figure out where these players are that are at that level because 
Now, I'm sure every kid out there playing high school ball thinks they're a D1 player. And then there's obviously a D2 in between. Right. So how are you able to identify those players? Especially you got a guy we just talked about that's coming from Houston. It's not like you're, you're picking up all the kids from the local area where you see and can read about and all that. How, it must be a, a real big challenge to find those players, first of all, to identify them. Well, the, 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 the biggest piece, too, with Rhodes is academics, right? So we're also trying to find the right athlete that, that values academics as much or more because of the, the, mm-hmm. the requirements to get into Rhodes. Right, so right. with that, you take, you take a lot of advantage of all the folks you know around the country and working for a guy like Tubby for all these years. Sure. You're constantly on the phone, working the phones, and then you get out during Networking, the right? Yeah, no doubt about it. And so we're doing a lot of that. But the, the, the biggest thing for us is we recruit what we think are top-notch athletes that have options at. You know, we've got guys on the roster that could have gone and walked on at a Division One. We have guys on this roster right now that had Division Two scholarship offers, but they valued the academic piece a little bit more mm-hmm. than some others. And so Rhodes is, was one of their top choices. And then we showed them what we were building. We showed them the, you know our facilities and everything we have at Rhodes is a little bit better than some of their other options that maybe they did have scholarship offers. So uh, it, it, it is more difficult. There's no doubt about it. Um, identifying that, that athlete that is really good and going to take you to the next level, but not so good that they're going to leave you high and dry and go to a different spot. <laughs> yeah, and you're going to get them for probably the four years. Most, right? most definitely, because they want to get their education. The portal, yeah. yeah. With Lombard, who's shooting like 45% from three-point range, was that what yeah. he was at the high school level, like he was a shooter? No doubt about it. He made 111 threes in his high school season. So, I mean, wow. you think about that, that's a condensed season compared to what we play. I mean, yeah. 111 of them in his senior year made 100 and I think made 113 his junior year. Wow. So he's just a shooter. I mean, and when you see a shot, he's a lefty. It is pure as can be. I mean, it's, it's one of the most beautiful things you'll ever see on a basketball court. <laughs> what is the hardest thing to identify in a player that you want? What, what attribute? It, def, it, how they play defense? So the biggest thing for me is we know a lot of guys coming in from high school level or they're not probably have been taught the system that we have defensively. So we, we know there's going to be a learning curve there, so we accept that. But for us, <clears throat> the biggest thing that I had to, to change and get in the roster was we play 94 feet almost the entire game. So athletic, we got to get an, a pure athlete that can run the floor and really get up and down. And so in our tempo, you know, we're we're up there, we're top, I think top seventy five in tempo in the country. Mm-hmm. And so we and we don't play any Grinnell system, we don't play any of that, <laughs> but we play a, a very up tempo style and force and turnover. So we we try to find the longer we want we want longer guys because of our press. We want guys that have speed. Because, like, Sunday, our speed worked to our advantage. We were able to get downhill the entire game. So, really, length and speed. Those are the two top things that I really look for. Um, and then we teach them the defense of the, the, the bully ball, so to speak, on the on the other end to, okay. to get them going. So you can learn that. Yeah. Yeah. Is, is Grinnell still playing that style, yeah. by the way? Yeah, they are. There's a, you know, there's a lot of Division three schools playing the system. A lot. Really? Yeah. So, when you go into... The stats, if you go in the NCAA stats and you see all these high, high number of assists and points scored and all this, usually your your top 30 and all those are all playing the system. So, so, they yeah, so, just recruit- so you say top 20, you said top 75 or whatever in, in pace. Like it's hard to be top 20 or 30 because you've got so many doing that. So many playing the system. And, and so I like to say that in 
pure basketball terms, <laughs> we're, we're top 40 in, in pace. So is Grinnell going out there and just finding all the best three-point shooters? It's not just three-point sh- shots, obviously. but It's primarily three-point shooting. <laughs> but but that's what I was going to say. It's most of it. So they're getting guys that it doesn't matter if they play defense? They And, you know, they play like a minute and a half. So they do rotate five yeah. players at a time. So it's five in, five out, and they're only playing like a minute and a half. So they, they're all out press, go for the steal, kick it out for a three, and then they try to do it again. Then they'll they give up they'll give up a layup because they know they're gonna outshoot you from the three point line. So let me have you th- played any teams that play that system? Mm, knock on wood, no. <laughs> okay, do you think do you think that system could be successful at higher levels? No. I, no. No. Okay. No. I mean I don't. I'm not going to bash anybody's system. I just don't see it. Uh, you know, being a what I, I think is a basketball purist, I, I don't. I don't see it being successful at a higher level. Well, what about? Forget about the the shooting. Arkansas for years under Nolan, forty minutes of hell, right? They right. were full court pressure from the get go. No doubt. We don't see that anymore. It, Could that be something that a team would be successful in doing if they had the players to be able to do it and have the depth? No doubt. I mean, I think. I mean, I think Penny's press is one of the best in the country. I mean, the way and the way they they're disciplined in and they're they're trapping, they're running jump. Right, right, but he's not doing it for forty. He's minutes. He's not doing it for forty minutes. But I think that I do think that you could press at a high level in college basketball, Division one, two, or three, at a very high level. If it, it, it's no doubt that you could practice it, and it's been proven to be done over and over and over with high athletes. It's really, you got to make sure that you have the team that is going to buy into it. Well, that's and can, give you that effort that it takes to press that long. That's why I was like, can you, can you convince today's players to come in and want to play defense like that? You can't because you could you could show them how easy a bucket you get from playing defense that way. So the you, reward, the, the old like, like the Grinnell thing, it's easy to recruit players for that. Yeah. Right. Here's what you do: you come in and you just shoot a bunch of threes. Right. <laughs> like, that's all we want you to do. Hell press yeah, threes, I'll press sign up for threes. that. Yep. Yeah. But I can't. I mean, I do, and, and we and we show. We show clips of University of Memphis and what they do and how, you know, that they have similar trapping areas that we do. And the reward is not always a guy in the trap. You may not get the steal, but if you sprint out of that trap as, you know, if you get the steal and yep. I sprint out of it, I'm going to get the layup or right. the corner three. Right. And so, yeah, I think you can. And, and I think that he does, Penny does a great job of getting, I think he does the same thing. I think he recruits unbelievable offensive talent. It teaches them his defensive system because it is a really good one, obviously. All right. This weekend, you begin conference play in Conway, Arkansas against Hendricks on Saturday. You're back home to take on Huntington College on Sunday at Mallory Gym. What about the prospects this weekend? First conference game, you know, we got to <clears throat> going to, to Hendricks is never easy. They have a unique gym and they're going to be rowdy. I mean, they, anytime we. We show up to campus. Uh, they 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 bring out a great crowd. So we got to be ready for that. And I think we we've done a good job. You know, we started on the road those first two games, and they were very uh, intense crowds. So our guys they they know it's not going to be a stranger to them to see that. But big weekend for us. You know, we gotta we gotta find a way to to start conference off the right way, and then quick turnaround. You know, we got to drive home three hours and quick turnaround for Sunday's game. Well, I want to wish you nothing but the best. Appreciate it. It's been, uh, it's been uh, to be two and four. It's been a lot of fun. It really has to see these guys get to get yeah. so much better. And you know, the one thing I also want to say is, is the community, our crowds. You know, we're second in the conference in attendance right now, which we haven't been even top half 
in my my tenure here. So the community support, but I thank you guys for that because I think we're getting more community support because of the show, and I really appreciate it. Well, it's great having you here each and every week. So we'll talk to Zoe again next Tuesday. He's the head coach of the Rhodes men's basketball team. He's Zoe Goodson. You can follow him on Twitter at Zoe Goodson. Best of luck. We'll talk to you next week. Appreciate it. Thank you all. Folks, Mid-South Ag, they are the place to go for all your equipment needs. You can go find them. They're just south of Collierville on Goodman Road. Easy to get to if you take I-269, you take the Goodman Road exit, and they're just a half mile west of that. The Case IH, Farm All Series of Tractors, Bush Hog Equipment, and much, much more from new equipment to pre-owned equipment. You'll find it at Mid-South Ag Equipment. You can also find them online at midsouthag.com to check out the inventory that they've got, plus get any uh, specials and other things that they have. They've got it all right there on the website at midsouthag.com for all those equipment needs go see the great folks at midsouth ag equipment We're talking tigers basketball when we return parthu pajai who covers the tigers for the daily memphian he'll join us in studio he's next this is sports 56 mornings with greg and eli on real sports talk sports 56 and 98.5 fm you already know you can listen to sports 56 anywhere with the sports 56 app or at sports56whbq.com. But you can also watch us daily with live video of all of our shows on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. Now back to Sports 56 Mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by Acura of Memphis. Get them to sign on the line which is dotted. Here once again, Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. Gonna put the world away for a minute. Pretend I don't Acura Memphis Ridgeway at 385. That's where you'll find Acura Memphis. The great folks, the great people over there, the great cars, the Acura brand. Certainly, it's just great luxury and great pricing as well and great folks to deal with when you're buying that new car or maybe a pre-owned vehicle, certified pre-owned Acuras, which you'll find at Acura of Memphis. Again, on Ridgeway at 385, but also online at AcuraMemphis.com. You can go to the website, get all the information you need about all the different models of Acura, inventory of pre-owned vehicles, talk to a representative right there. You can trade in value on your current vehicle. You can find out any specials they've got going on, whether it be financing to buy a car, maybe some lease options, all that special stuff that they've got going on. You'll find that on the website as well at AcuraOfMemphis.com. Currently sunny, 39 degrees. We're looking at a high of 48 today. Clear skies tonight, low of 33. Then tomorrow, more sunshine. Few clouds rolling in, a high of 58 tomorrow. It will feel balmy compared to what it was earlier today. Parthu Pajai is going to join us in studio in just a few moments. If you missed it, uh, announcing earlier our five favorite things topic for tomorrow, your five favorite NFL head coaches of all time, your five favorite NFL head coaches of all time. Tomorrow on the program, Andy Borman will join us, Tigers assistant basketball coach, who joins us each and every week. We'll talk with Jerry Palm about college football and basketball. DeMichael Cole on the Grizzlies, who will host the Utah Jazz tomorrow night. And we'll also talk a little baseball in hour number one with Matt Reiser, the new University of Memphis baseball coach. Just completed his recruiting class, his first recruiting class, and the schedule is out for the 2024 season. Matt will join us again. Five favorite things, your five favorite NFL head coaches of all time. All right, so uh, the Tigers not in the AP men's basketball poll again. We talked about this to open up the show. They finished 26th again with 108 points. 
Right behind Oklahoma, who came in at number 25, they had 120 points. They were leapfrogged by five teams. Last week, they were leapfrogged by two, I believe it was. So all I could think of is what you had said earlier, Eli, that the voters who even watched at all, if they watched, and some did and some didn't, saw Memphis getting walloped or saw the score of them getting walloped by Villanova in the first half of that game in the Bahamas and decided that, eh, they're not top 25 worthy. Yeah, I, again, I mean, I thought the win over Arkansas would have been enough to get them in with the, with, combined with the win over Michigan. But the it, it might even be more surprising to me that they dropped out of the coaches' poll. Like, I certainly wouldn't did think what they did last week would have been worthy of dropping out of that poll. But um, So that was a, a probably even more surprising than, than not getting in the AP poll. Yeah, I don't understand that at all. Again, Michigan is a, is a solid win. I know it's not a great Michigan team. Arkansas, they beat a ranked team in Arkansas. And again, they were getting walloped by Villanova, made the run in the second half to make it respectable. Still lost that game by double digits. But I don't know why that would be the difference maker in putting them in or out when they already have wins over Missouri on the road, Michigan, and Arkansas. We are joined now by our friend Parth Upajai from the Daily Memphian. He's the Tigers beat writer. Uh, you are back, obviously, from a... Uh, Sojourn down to the Bahamas. I hope you had time to enjoy that beautiful weather, that beautiful place in this world while covering the Tigers. Yeah, not too much free time. It wasn't like the DR trip where we were kind of like chilling and hanging out and chatting with the guys and the coaches and stuff, but uh, still a good time. Nice to get some of that Caribbean air, right, while working. <laughs> Such a tough assignment. Man, it's a hard life, man. It's, it's a very <laughs> hard life. Somebody's got to do it. Somebody's got to do it for sure. But, man, that last day before I flew back, I got to walk around on the beach a little bit, and that was that was nice. He'll make up for it by going to Wichita in the winter or something like that and getting caught in a snowstorm. Um, so, again, we were just talking about it. You walked in while we were talking about the top 25, and we opened up the show talking about this. You have a vote. You had him in at number 25 in your poll which I think makes an awful lot of sense. I told you I could have went 25, I could have went 24. I know it's not the end-all, be-all. I understand that. They're just on the outside looking in. But that's two straight weeks. I don't get it. The only thing I can come up with is what we talked about, that maybe because they were getting shellacked by Villanova, people saw that score and thought, ah, Memphis is, is not as good as those wins would indicate. Yeah, I think it's a combination of two things. I think it's definitely the schlacking by Villanova. They were down by 35, man. Like, Oh, yeah. I know. Pe- people keep saying, like, oh, they, they rallied back and they came back and they fought. All true. All true. For 31 minutes or 40 minutes that game, they looked like they belonged not even in the same building, right, mm-hmm. as that Villanova team. And that's, you know, it sucks, but it's true. Um, and they came back when, when Kyle Neptune was kind of playing with rotations. He was, you know, playing the back end of his, uh, his lineup there. You know, that's... It's still, you know, you got to give them credit for the effort, but you got to put it in context as well. So there's that, there's that piece of it. Then you look at Arkansas and Michigan. You know, coming in, we thought those wins were going to be, you know, kind of bigger. Uh, you know, hopefully they're still quad one wins, right, for the Tigers' sake. But um, those teams, this preseason, Arkansas came in at 14th in Ken Palm. You know, Michigan was was not supposed to be that good, but still competitive. Now those two teams came in taking losses, right? Arkansas lost to UNC Greensboro. Michigan lost to Long Beach State. You beat them, they go down in Ken Palm, they go down in the metrics, then they proceed to lose again yeah, in that tournament. So those wins have now been watered down, right? And it's not Memphis's fault, it's not Penny Hardaway's fault, but it's just the reality. Like, those wins mean less, and the Villanova loss looks ugly. And it's a combination of both those things that, you know, had some voters leaving them out this time. Yeah, it would have helped if 
Arkansas could have followed up the loss to Memphis by winning the next game. True. Right, than it just losing another by, game. And they not not just lost, lost by 15. Yeah. To UNC without with missing a starter. Carolina was missing Cormac Ryan. So they were playing with, you know, four out of their five starters. Uh, yeah, but five teams jumped them from behind Memphis. Correct. I correct. mean, that's a lot of teams jumping a team that went two out of three, won two out of three in a big tournament with a lot of good teams. I've got to I've got to think of it. It was BYU, right? Oklahoma. Um, there's three other teams that that leapfrogged Memphis. And I'm blanking right well, now. Well, one of them was Villanova. One of them was Villanova. Yeah, they so were that's behind. three. Yeah. So Villanova's warranted, right? We can say that. BYU's undefeated with wins against San Diego State. They beat they beat the heck out of Arizona State. I'm sure you saw that MT out in Vegas. They mm-hmm. beat NC State, so they're undefeated. Um, Colorado State. Colorado State. Alabama. Illinois. I believe Alabama was was Alabama. In? Alabama was already already ranked, ranked yeah. right. I they ranked fell Alabama down. Last week as well. It's Oklahoma, Illinois, um, Colorado State, BYU, Villanova. Okay, so Illinois. I mean, we've talked about this, uh, Greg. You know, I think everybody else has talked about this as well on the on the radio yesterday. Illinois. That's the that's the one that you circle and you're like, what? Yeah. You know? Yeah. They haven't they haven't beaten anybody, and the one team they've played, the one legit. You know, Ken Palm, top 100, top 50 team they've played, they lost to is Marquette. Can Memphis play? I know they love to play that uh, chip on their shoulder type thing. Are they gonna? Are they gonna do that again? Oh my gosh, we still don't get any respect. We're not in the top 25. Will they play that card? Oh, a thousand percent. You know, Penny was asked about his NCAA tournament resume after the win against Arkansas. This is before obviously things went wrong against Villanova, and he said that you know he hopes that these wins matter, right? Like they do to with other teams. He said so. Um, but he also proceeded to say that, you know, at Memphis, this is him talking, we don't get nothing easy, he said, you know. So I think that's kind of the motto. That's kind of the the spirit, right, that, that Penny preaches. Um, mm-hmm. And I think they'll use that as fuel to the fire going into Ole Miss. Yeah, the uh, Illinois played one game last week, um, and they beat Western Illinois. They beat the Leathernecks, and that was enough to get them into the Wow, the, the Leather who? The Leathernecks. Leather that, that that's their mascot? That's their nickname, yes. yeah. That's, what in the world? But yeah, so that that's it. They didn't Because they didn't play one of these terms. They played one game. Against Western Illinois, one by thirty, and that got him into the top twenty-five. They've played nobody. Like, look at this yeah. schedule. No, yeah, they've played nobody. It's Eastern Illinois, Oakland. They played Marquette and lost. Uh, Valparaiso, Southern, and Western Illinois. Okay, go figure. Parth, what was exposed? They do play the- Florida Atlantic next week. That's right. That's and, right. And they'll, get, and they'll get beat. What was exposed <laughs> in that loss to Villanova? I think the obvious thing is rebounding, right? Like teams are going to have bad shooting nights. Hopefully, if you're the Tigers, not that bad, because that was horrendous, right? They shot 15% in the first half, which is um, something. So at least I can't even think of the word for it, man. I can't. It was something. Atrocious. Atrocious. Be good. Atrocious. But they missed 37 shots from the field, right, for the 40 minutes. You know how many offensive rebounds they got? Nine. Nine offensive rebounds. That just can't happen. You know, you can't miss 37 shots and not not get at least a you know a third of them back. Shoot, you know? So And they're giving up a lot of offensive rebounds. And they're giving up a lot on the other end, too. So it just kind of, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of leads to certainly a deficiency in terms of second chance points. I think you're not getting enough production out of the bigs right now. Exactly. Jordan Brown, Malcolm Dandridge, Nick Jordan is good, but when you're playing him long minutes, you're undersized. You know, you're not Nick Jordan's not 6'11", right? <laughs> so. What is wrong with Jordan Brown? Is he 
is he out of shape? Is he not as good as we thought he was going to be? Does he not have a motor that needs to be, you know, at full strength? What is wrong with him? I mean, it'd be tough for me to believe that he's not as, you know, simply not as good, right? That seems like a simplification, no? Um, right. I mean, the guy won the Lou Henson Award, the mid-major player of the year, and he was right. dominant, not just against those Sunbelt teams. He was dominant against the big boys, man. Like, Oh, he, I know. He, you know, had a really great game against Tennessee in the NCAA tournament and had, had done it again against Power 5 opponents other places as well. Um, I don't know. One thing Penny said this summer, and I think we had talked about this on the radio back in August, was... Um, he said Jordan Brown really needed to get into shape, right? He said he needed to lose 20 pounds. He believed, you know, during that kind of, uh, I don't know, gap or intermission or whatever you want to call it between his time at Louisiana ending and Memphis picking him up, he didn't know what his future was, right? So he kind of like wasn't, you know, wasn't staying in shape. He wasn't, you know, uh, staying in the weight room, staying in the gym, that sort of deal. So Penny did say for him to be a contributor, he would need to lose 20 pounds. Now, that's back in August. I don't know if that's happened, right? Now we're, what, two, three months down the road here. Um, so yeah, not sure. Maybe it is, you know, lack of conditioning, lack of shape, but whatever it is, man, like if he can get that together, Memphis can hit at a different level, obviously. I mean, we see that. So how do you see the matchup with Ole Miss? Yeah, I haven't seen, um, Ole Miss play at all, honestly, this year yet. They play NC State tomorrow, but Ole Miss is undefeated, you know. Tonight they played. Or tonight, I'm sorry, excuse me, tonight. So I guess we'll learn a little bit more about them then. Uh, I believe NC State's like around the top 60, top 70 in Ken Palm versus, you know, Ole Miss being um, more in that top 120, 150 range. So I think they'll be tested tonight and we'll we'll certainly learn more. Um, but I think this is one that you've got to win, right? If you're Memphis, you can't, you know, you can't go in there and lose, certainly. And you got to win uh, convincingly. You can't go in there and have a, you know, have it, have it look ugly or, or, you know, escape in overtime or win by two or five points. You got to kind of go in there and show that, hey, we are a top 25 team and this is why. Well, it, it's going to be interesting to me because obviously Memphis wants to play really fast. That's what they do. Chris Beard has always wanted to play very slow and that's what they do. So that the pace of the game will be interesting to see who can kind of win that battle because um, it is certainly two opposite ideas as to what they want to do as far as pace of play goes. And Ole Miss has size too. You know, not only pace of play, but they've got... Um, they got two bigs, I believe. Is Musa Cisse? He's not. They've not ruled right? yet. They still have not ruled. They, and that's they. They are without him, and they are without Brandon Murray, one of their top transfers. Because the NCAA hasn't ruled on either one of them. Jamarian Sharp is going to be but, playing. Yeah, Jamarian Sharp. But the thing with Sharp and what teams have done to Ole Miss mm-hmm. is, and this is this is why Jordan Brown may not. Teams are just going small against them. And he will not like he can't come out of the lane to guard anybody. Like he does, he does. So they like they end up having to take him out of games because teams are putting basically five shooters out there, and he can't come out and guard guys out on the floor. So basically, they end up taking him out, and he's not good enough offensively. Oh, he does for them to impose. Say, right. all right, well that's fine. If you're going to go small, we're just going to let him dominate your guy on the bike. He's not good enough offensively to do that. So they end up having to just make the change and saying, fine. Now Alan Flanagan has been. Awesome for them, but I to me the Tigers have a lot of guys, size and athletically that can match up with Flanagan. That if if you slow down Flanagan, unless Morrell or somebody gets really hot, like the Tigers should be in really good shape against them. And one thing with Sharp, Stansbury knows all his strengths and his weaknesses. Exactly. So having coached coached him, him, yeah, in Western Kentucky. Uh, As far as the rotation is concerned, do you think now six games in and Penny's coached the last three? That he has a set rotation, um, it doesn't doesn't seem like it yet, right? I mean, is that fair to say? Like, yes. you see him kind of subbing guys in and out. 
Um, a little bit sporadically still. You know, we see different guys coming off the, the bench to start games, right? Um, Carl Sharonfont played. This is a thought that I just had randomly. He played against Villanova and against Arkansas, I believe. So Did he play Did he play in mop-up duty? Or it, it nope. was one of those when it got out of hand? No, I believe against Villanova it was out of hand. From Yeah, from so that's probably Detroit. why he played. He was looking for a spark more than likely. But I believe, I want to say, was it Arkansas or Michigan? i got to go back and look at the game logs and stuff. But it was one of those games where he played um, when the bigs were in foul or not the bigs somebody was in foul trouble and, and they put him in right but it wasn't it wasn't mop up time it wasn't garbage time it was it was a time where memphis had a lull and they needed something to get them going and they put carl in so i thought that was interesting what did you think of we had a texter yesterday Eli, talk about ashton ashton had the big game against michigan, michigan. and then i don't know if he got off the bench quickly in that second game, or was maybe he was talking the Villanova game, but he didn't play as many minutes. I think it was the second game against Arkansas. We didn't see him come in and and play coming off that game he had just played. Um, it was the sorry. Go ahead. No, no, you know better than I do. You were there. Yeah. So he had that 17 point game against Michigan. Obviously, Arkansas. He played early. Like he, he checked in around the 13, 12 minute mark of the first half. Yeah, they were wondering because of the poor shooting in the first half against Villanova. Some texts were like, why not? Why not throw? Why, why not put him in there? That's what I, I was asking. If you the can't, same question, if you can't make a shot, why don't yeah. put the guy who, who you know just had a good shooting night in that gym a couple nights earlier? Yeah, I think he he played against Villanova. I don't know if he played as many minutes. I think his minutes kind of dwindled as the as the tournament went, which is I don't know why. Right? It's interesting to see. Um, but he was he was missing shots as well, man. Like, I think he was like oh four oh five from the field against Villanova, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> Yeah, one, one of the games yeah, he had pretty much everybody, everybody, everybody it, was, was it was equal opportunity right, missing exactly. against Villanova. Yeah. <laughs> and I think everything skewed with the Villanova game because a lot of guys got in and, and ended up being everybody played because they got blown out. So that one's tough to you know to digest when you're looking at like who's firmly in the rotation. I thought Jalen Young gave them good minutes. I didn't understand. Was it the Michigan game or the Arkansas game? I'm trying to remember. When down the stretch, he had Jaden in the game. And I kept saying, I'm out in Philadelphia, why has he got Jaden? I, I figured he brought Jaden in because he's a pretty good free throw shooter. That was when Jay. remember when Jaden threw the ball into the corner? Kayla Mills got stuck in the corner? Yes. Was that the Michigan game? Was that the... Or was it the Arkansas game? I believe we, it, was, it was a stretch against Arkansas. Right whatever it was, and I'm yeah. thinking to myself, he's a veteran player who should know better than throwing the ball into the corner. Then he leaves his guy to double a guy going down the lane when Memphis was up. He leaves the three-point shooter in the corner who hits a three-point shot on it. And I'm like, why don't they bring Jalen Young in? If they're trying to break pressure, that kid has ball handling skills and has speed that Jaden doesn't have. And so he ended up playing more as the tournament went along, and I thought he gave them a spark. I like him coming off the bench because of his change of pace, the speed that he brings to the table. He's shifty. He's really shifty. So that's a guy I think you got to see in there. Obviously, we talked about Ashton and his ability to knock down threes. He's going to play jaded. You have, obviously, Malco as your backup big. You have um, Jordan. Now I'm up to, what am I up to, 10 now? 10 or 11? Yeah, I mean, you're looking at the starting five, you know, of the you know, Javon Quinterly, Caleb Mills, Jaquan Walton, David Jones, uh, Jordan Brown. Then you got Malcolm, right? Jaden Hardaway, Ashton Hardaway, Jalen Young. Um, and who's the who's the Jordan? Did you mention Jordan? That's it. And then Nick Jordan. So that's that's ten right there. So you're looking at ten. Guys. And then Jonathan Pierre played. Um, I believe in that second game. Yeah. So I mean, the rotation I don't think is going to get any less than ten. 
I, I don't see it happening. It'd be, it'd be unless somebody's in foul trouble or, or something. Well, yeah, of that just nature, in a right? normal game, a, a solid game where there, it's not a blowout either way. I see him playing minimum ten. I don't see him taking out either of his sons out of the rotation, and really they they shouldn't be out of the rotation. He's going to play Young. I think Young deserves minutes. He's going to play Malco. He's playing Jernane certainly, and you know Pierre would be the eleventh guy. So I think it's definitely going to stay at ten. I don't see I don't see this be becoming an eight man rotation. Definitely not. And I think we kind of knew that going into the season. Just uh, looking at it with the the five starters that we all presumed would would start, um, and the lack of at this point the lack of production you're getting from Brown. You know you got to play Malcolm right. So they're both playing about fifteen minutes per game, kind of. Um, Doing a by committee effort there to fill in that five spot. You got to play Jordan because of what he brings um, energy wise, defensively stretching the floor. Um, you're going to play Ashton because of the shooting, and then he's playing Jaden as well. Jalen Young is that kind of spark plug off the bench defensively. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you've got you know you, you've got those ten guys that are I think are going to be fixtures in the rotation for sure. Okay, we're running short on time. What do they got to do next week? In your opinion, we were talking today about early prognostication for March. Uh, from Bleacher Report, they had Memphis as a nine seed. That's what they're trying to avoid to become an, the play in the eight nine game. So Ole Miss, as you guys said, or you said specifically, they have to win that one and probably win it convincingly. VCU is not great. They should be able to beat them on the road. Should it's should. a roadie tough environment there. But then you got A and M. Florida Atlantic just whooped up on Texas A and M. Scored ninety something points on them after losing to Bryant. That is a huge game for Memphis. Texas A&M still ranked 14th. That's what you have next week. What should they do in those three games? Should they go three and zero? These next three, like so, Ole Miss, Ole Miss, VCU, VCU and Texas A&M. You got to go at least two and one. At least anything anything worse than two and one is going to be going to be a dent, you know, in your resume. It's not going to be good for you. It'll be a dent. And here's the thing: if you beat Ole Miss and VCU and lose to Texas A&M, it really doesn't help you. That's not hey, you're jumping up a seed because you beat VCU no, you're, and you're Ole Miss. Water. But you did win roadies. Exactly. There are road games, but. And then you turn around. Then you got the home games. You got Clemson, Virginia, Vanderbilt. So this is the stretch right now for Memphis, unless they go kerplunk in the in the conference tournament, where they can really establish themselves as a seed that should be higher than eight, higher than seven, probably in that five six range. Yeah, absolutely. And it's tough because if you don't build enough of a buffer, right? Like let's say you end this mm-hmm. this uh, this non conference slate. And you're looking at like a, a eight or nine seat across the board, Bleacher Report, um, Bartorvik, whatever. All these prognostications have you at eight or nine. Well, you're not going to be able to do too much to get out of that because you've got really two opportunities throughout an 18 game <laughs> yeah. slate to make any sort of difference, to move any sort of needle. So, you know, if you're Memphis, you want to be um, kind of a fixture in the AP Top 25 going into January. You want to be projected to be a five, six seed because, you know, that's, Penny said it, that's your season, you know, from now until January 4th when they play, uh, Tulsa to open the conference uh, slate. That's your season. No, you're absolutely right. He is Parthu Pajai. He covers Memphis Tigers basketball and does it very, very well for the Daily Memphian. You can follow him on Twitter. I'll spell it out at P-U-P-A-D-H-Y-A-Y-A underscore. Parth, as always, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Always fun. If you've got a move coming up, you want to get the professionals to help you. You don't want to try and do it yourself and ask your friends to help you get the professionals to do it for you. And that's Black Tie Moving. All you got to do is give them a call, 901-316-6196, or you can go to blacktiemoving.com slash Memphis. Talk with the folks at Black Tie Moving. They work with you coming up with a plan, uh, most importantly, fitting your needs and also most importantly, fitting your budget as well. And you do get a no obligation quote up front from the folks at Black Tie Moving so you know exactly what it's going to be throughout the process. 
process. You got a moving concierge available to you 24-7 to answer any questions that come up. You can rest assured that your stuff is getting where it's going without any problems, without any issues. It allows you to not have to worry and stress out nearly as much throughout the move. Black Tie Moving, 901-316-6196 or go to blacktiemoving.com slash Memphis. Tiger Woods speaks... Yes, we'll hear from Tiger Woods when we return. This is Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Join the voice of the Tigers, Dave Woloshin, for Wolo and Friends. Weekday mornings from 10 to 11 here on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now, back to Sports 56 Mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by Acura of Memphis. Who's lightning? Here once again are Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. Tiger Woods will be back on the course this week. He'll be playing in the Hero World Challenge in the Bahamas. And I don't know when the last appearance he made. Do you know off the top of your head? When was the last time he played? Masters. So he didn't play again after the Masters. Wow. So Tiger Woods will be coming back to play. He said today in his press conference that he plans, if everything goes right, to play at least once a month. That would be great for everybody in the world of golf. He also said that he was extremely surprised when he heard about the merger between the PGA Tour, Live, and the DP World Tour. Uh, I didn't get to read everything or hear everything he had to say about that, but obviously that's still something that hasn't been solidified as far as the merging of those three. But he said he was very surprised when he heard about that. But he will be back on the course this weekend. Uh, We'll see how it goes. You have doubts? I have doubts. So I would imagine you have doubts that he'll be playing as much as he says he will. I I would I I don't believe there's any chance that he is playing that much. Uh, let's hope he does. I mean, it's great for golf. It's great for all sports, as far as sports fans are concerned, to have Tiger Woods in an event. Uh, college football. There have been a number of players. We talked about the the Memphis news from yesterday. Uh, Tevin Carter, Davian Carter. Both announcing they're heading into the transfer portal. Been a bunch of quarterbacks uh, around the country that have already announced that they're leaving their respective schools. Washington State quarterback Cameron Ward, um, according to a story, has received over ten one million dollar offers to transfer schools. The Washington State star finished number four in total passing yards in all of college football. Will be one of the top returning quarterbacks in the sport. I'm not saying he's leaving Washington State, but. According to this story, he has had all these offers, and according to the story, says it's confirmed that some of the schools that are interested are Miami, Ohio State, Texas A&M, Washington, and Auburn. Doesn't say that those are necessarily the ones that have offered the million, but I guess you could add two and two and come up with four. They said, again, I mean, it's they're going to be throwing money around. You know, Will Howard at Kansas State, Tyler Van Dyke from Miami. Announcing they're going to go into the portal. Like there's, there's going to be money being thrown around at these quarterbacks, especially from from every angle. It's it, it, this is going to be it just every year. It's getting more and more because 
every year these schools are raising more and more money for the NIL funds. And yeah. Now it is just uh, start throwing our basically offering your free agent contracts and seeing who you can lure. Max Johnson's name has popped in there. Of course, uh, he's been basically a backup in his career. And I think it was after the Egg Bowl, did, did anyone ask Jackson Dart any of the uh, – I would imagine they talked to Jackson Dart. I, I didn't know Jackson Dart still had another year, but that he has a great chance uh, to return to Ole Miss and make real good money, NIL money, because I'm not sure yeah, what his prospects are for the NFL. Back. I mean, they yeah. expect him to be back. Yeah, so obviously that's uh, that's huge as well. But, yeah, this is just the start. The floodgates have opened up as the transfer portal window officially begins on December 4th, officially. Folks, Memphis has a lot of great beers, a lot of great local beers that are made right here in Memphis. And something new here in Memphis, this is a really cool thing, City Brew Tours Memphis. This is an opportunity for you to uh, to basically take a tour of some of those different breweries around town where you get to sample a lot of the beers. You get to learn a lot about their process of making beer. Uh, you get to sample a lot of those beers, which is a great thing. Along the way, you get food or snacks, depending on what kind of tour you take. You can get to food or snacks along the way. And the good thing is they're driving you. They're taking care of it. City Brew Tours Memphis. This is great for just individuals to go out and maybe a couple, an outing to go enjoy some of this, or if you've got a special event coming up, like a birthday or anniversary, uh, bachelor, bachelorette parties, any of these things, maybe a corporate trip of a group that you want to take out and do something special with, City Brew Tours Memphis. This is new here. It's been in other cities. Now it's here in Memphis, where they'll take you and take you from brewery to brewery, give you an opportunity to tour those breweries, sample beers at the different breweries. You can go to citybrewtours.com slash Memphis. City brewtours.com slash Memphis is the website. You can get a lot of information there. You can buy tickets right there online to, uh, to for one of these uh, trips and one of these events, uh, one of these tours that you could take. Absolutely fantastic thing. I can't wait to try one of these because I love the local beers that we've got here in Memphis. We've Me got too. so many great breweries and looking forward to getting a chance to tour some of those breweries uh, on City Brew Tours Memphis. Again, citybrewtours.com slash Memphis is the website. That's a great idea. I love that. By the way, as we close up shop, Rick Stock still mentioned uh, he was let go by MTSU yesterday. $5 million buyout. Ross Dellinger keeps up to date with all the buyouts of coaches. An updated 2024 buyout tracker. An estimated $124 million owed to the coaches from their contracts before being let go, which is $30 million more than the 2021 record of $94 million. And counting! Big thanks to Connor O'Gara, Laird Veach, Zoe Goodson, and Parth Upadhyay for joining us on the program today. We're back bright and early tomorrow starting at 7 a.m. Among our guests, Memphis Tigers assistant basketball coach Andy Borman, Tigers baseball coach Matt Reiser, plus Jerry Palm and DeMichael Cole. And five favorite things, the topic, your five favorite NFL head coaches of all time. Wolo and Friends on Sports 56 is next. For Eli Savoy and Zach Boyd, I'm Greg Gaston. Have a great day, everybody. Oh,